Welcome to another episode of Better with Paul, a.k.a. BWP. So I know you're thinking, all right, Paul, what is this whole Better with Paul thing all about, right? Tell me, tell me. All right, let me tell you, okay? I've spent the last decade exploring success in relationships, success in business, success in health. And what stood out to me is that we can all be better. Now, along the way, I've met some of the world's leading entrepreneurs and creators and researchers, and I can tell you the lessons that they've shared have been invaluable, not only to me, but to everyone I share them with. And that's exactly what this podcast is about. This is my gift to share with you the lessons I'm learning through the discussions with these world-class performers. In every episode, we unpack the value, the discoveries, the lessons, however you want to call it, right? We unpack the good stuff so that you can make your life better. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Are you ready for today's episode? This is Better With Paul. Yeah. This is a wild story. This is a wild story. You ready for yeah, this story? Ready. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I get called in to the office in Turkey and they say, Paul, we've got this carpet that we want you to deliver to Washington, D.C. Now, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, now I'm an MBA, went to a good good school, uh-huh. right? You know, I'm running finance for this company. Why am I going to deliver carpet, right, to somebody? But you know what, though? I'm humble. So I said, okay, I will deliver the carpet. What's the address? And they said, all right, so here's the address. It's 1 First Street. I thought, that's a serious address. One First Street in Washington, D.C.? Hey, <laughs> where am I going, right? I didn't know the there was epicenter. a king or queen. <laughs> so One First Street. So get on the plane. Now, I live in Washington, D.C., by the way. So this is okay that I'm going, going back home. But my priority is to deliver this carpet. So on the plane, fly in. Immediately, I land. Tell the driver, One First Street. We pull up at the Supreme Court. U.S. Supreme Court. Get out the car, right? Say, please hold on to my luggage. Let me bring this carpet. So I'm I'm trying to get this carpet right up the stairs. And it says the carpet. So it's it's one first street, A.S. Delivered to A.S. So I'm thinking, okay, like who am I delivering this to? Kwame's already thinking, who is this? (laughs) I go in and they say, oh, Justice Scalia's office is down there. It turned out that I was delivering a carpet to Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. I am going to get even more fundamental than... uh, We're in his chamber. He says, oh, thank you so much for the carpet. You know, I really appreciate it. I remember when I saw that carpet when I was in Istanbul and Enver said he was going to send it to me. I'm so, you know, happy and thankful that he sent it to me. Oh, do you want some coffee? Oh, so what's your name? So where are you from? Oh, Jamaica. You know what? Actually, I love Jamaica. Let's talk. I have 30 minutes. Let's talk. Let's sit down and talk. And it's just me and Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. Now, whether or not you agree with his politics, which I don't. Yeah. yeah. 
you can't deny the fact that he is one of the most, or at the time of his, because he's, he's passed, right? But the time of, of living, one of the most powerful Absolutely. people yeah. in the world. Mm -hmm. And here I was, 30 minutes, hanging out, basically, talking about anything and everything. And it was at that precise moment, and I'm talking about this is 2005, 2006, that I fully realized the power that comes from wealth, mm -hmm. the power that comes from influence, yeah. mm -hmm. the power that comes from being a billionaire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it was billionaire Enver Ugel, who I was working for at the time, that sent me over to Antonin Scalia. When I left that office, that was the first day that I decided I would start journaling everything I could about Enver Ugel because that was an experience I never could have fathomed. And I realized whatever he did, Enver Ugel, to get into a position where he could just send over a carpet, <laughs> right, to the most, one of the most powerful people in the world and have it be so well received, I wanna learn these lessons. And so I started journaling. And so for the next uh, four years of working with him, I journaled. And then when I stopped working for him and went on to work for Oprah Winfrey, Miss Winfrey, as if you're working for Miss Winfrey, you say Miss Winfrey, right? Not Lady O. <laughs> I then started journaling everything I could from her. And what was really fascinating to me, mind-blowing, is that at the end of journaling for uh, my time with Oprah, I looked down at the journals and I realized that here were two people completely different. One's a woman, one's a man. One's from the United States, one's from Turkey. One made her career in journalism and media, the other in uh, education. Completely different. One speaks Turkish, one speaks English. But yet they had the same habits. They did the same things. And so I decided to write an article on the things that I learned, the lessons that I learned that I saw that were commonalities among these two. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. All right. Good. We've got some phenomenal folks in the house. This is I already know this is going to be hot. I already know. I already know. Like I'm, I've unbuttoned my shirt. Because that's, how, <laughs> that's how hot that's it's going to be. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> that's how hot. Um, so I would love for you all to go around, introduce yourselves, please let us know your name, where you're from, and what you are passionate about. Well, I'll start. Um, so I'm trying to figure out, do I give my legal or do I give my industry? You know, we have a pseudo situation going on. So I'll give you both. Uh, but my legal name, I'm Jared Brown. Uh, my pseudo industry name, if you was Jay Ali. It's a derivative of my middle name. So uh, just to make things easier for you, because everyone calls me Jerry. Uh, nevertheless, I am. I live in Atlanta now, but I'm originally from Pennsylvania. And uh, what I am passionate about, I'm thinking about a previous podcast I listened to on um, on your channel, and there was a young lady by the name of Nina who stated that you know she was so uh, eloquent in how she stated about people development, and that is spot on with me. Uh, people development mentorship, um, not just for young African American boys, but even for girls, yes. you know, how can you get into the business? How can you get into business and do it properly? So I'm passionate about people development and mentorship. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm thank you. Humbled that yes. you oh, she's here. <laughs> I just, I didn't know you were going to be here, but <laughs> thank you so much. And you hit it spot on. Yeah. I, 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 I love people development too. I love relationships and 
and as I said before, I'm passionate about leadership development specifically. Um, the idea that anyone from anywhere, no matter who you are, could become somebody that inspires others, that seeks uh, um, to better other people, and then takes that and makes change, transformational change um, anywhere is absolutely what I'm passionate about. And to get back to the first questions you asked, who am I? So Nino Duro is my name. I um, am from Ghana. I was born in Ghana and grew up in the U.S. here in the Washington, D.C. area, um, Virginia, Northern Virginia to be specific. Um, anything else I'm missing? Well, tell us about this incredible T-shirt that you have on. Because oh. I need one. We don't we don't have one of these, right? Yes, and okay. you need one. Yes. You know, so I am um, co-founder of a company called Dine Diaspora. Dine Diaspora, we um, connect people and brands to African food culture. Um, what that essentially means is we um, connect people and bring them together um, through storytelling, through food um, and culinary experiences, um, whether it's through events, through um, sort of making... Um, building brands through using food as a mechanism to share, you know, what they do um, and in various different ways. This shirt specifically um, highlights the different um, spices of the African diaspora. There you go. So I'm going to quiz y'all. Suya, where's that from? Nigeria. Yes. Okay. There you go. <laughs> one point there. Jerk. Jamaica. Yes. There you one go. One point there. Adobo. Is that it? Mexico, uh, well, just um, Hispanic, the Latin American. Latin America. okay. Yep, yep. So you've got it there. Burberry. North oh. Africa? No. South Africa? No. East Africa? Very distinct. They're known for coffee. Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And cayenne. Cayenne pepper, cayenne pepper. Um, wow, cayenne. Where's cayenne originally from? Caribbean. Trini? Guyana. Guyana. Yeah. That's the one okay. most people don't know about. And okay. just with a little research, you'll learn that um, origins of it um, are thought to be from Guyana. Wow. Yeah. wow. So Lessons. just the shirt alone, you're wearing yeah. it, it seems fun, but it's really a cultural yeah, um, experience. And you can too. teach That's people cool. something yeah. about the African diaspora. There you go. Kid. Well, thank you I for like teaching it. us already. That's it. Yeah, right. That's it, guys. That's the end thank of the you podcast. Thank so much for coming out. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm Kwame. Sun Pimpong. I uh, am from Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, my dad's from Ghana. Mom's from Eastern North Carolina. So I share some um, heritage from those places as well. Um, and uh, in terms of what I'm passionate about, it's, it's kind of similar to um, what we've heard before. Um, but specifically, I'll, I'm really all about developing black people and wanting us like at a macro level to be connected um, you know, just like we got a taste of these spices from different parts of the African diaspora um, that are all magical in their own right. Um, I believe that, you know, black people, we carry our magic in the various areas where we live around the world, but um, it's only part of the magic. I think that once we're fully connected, like that really will um, kind of explode like what you know, we can do and the impact we can have on the world. Love That's it. What I'm I love it. I love it. You know, that, that, that makes me think of a, of a question. And, and I would love just to get a quick just name and then uh, who they are, like just one sentence. But who would you consider to be the most influential business person in your life, whether it be someone who you've directly mentored under, you've worked for, uh, maybe in Jay's case, they've worked for him, right? Uh, or uh, maybe it's someone who you've just read about, right, in history. Who, who, who is that? Kwame, let's start with you. Um, 
His name is Robert Long. I'm, I'm going to his daughter's wedding today. Wow. Um, he is chief innovation officer at Coca-Cola, um, understated black man who's one of the most powerful people at the company um, for the past almost decade. He's just pushed me to, you know, continue to better, to continue bettering myself. So Love it. Love it. Nina? So I used to work as an intern for um, a black millionaire couple called the Walters here in Virginia. Um, their journey to me is very impactful because they came, especially Anthony Walters, he, he didn't have much growing up and became a mega millionaire. But having an opportunity to be part of the company as an intern, getting to know them was to me, one of the best things you could do for a young black woman in college at the time. Um, but just knowing that these people were normal. I think to me, that was what was like, I could be, yeah. I could be this too. And anyone can be this with, by knowing what their journey was and by also learning that continuous learning journey and not saying, oh, I can't be because I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's what impact I think it had on me. Okay. Love it. For me, uh, there will be two, if that's okay. Sure. Um, the first person's name is Ro um, sorry, Howard Dainberg. Howard Dainberg, he since passed away. But Howard was so instrumental in my life. I was When I started my career, I was actually started in banking uh, right out of high school before I went to college. Started in banking, and I just wanted a job over the summer. And this older Caucasian Jewish gentleman came into the bank, fully suited, very dapper. And for whatever reason, he took to me and literally began to mentor me and taught me things such as how to properly wear a suit. I'm talking about basics, wow. not business in the, in the beginning. But long story short, he was just instrumental in my life all the way through my banking career, which taught me finances and credit and all those good things that I needed as an adult and then to be a successful business owner. Uh, but as far as business now, my mentor hands down is Roger Milstein. Uh, gentlemen, California, we met at a restaurant. I was at a table with friends, he was at the table with his wife, and we began to talk. And since then, he is the one who has made Paid and Popular Entertainment Group what it is. He refused to allow me to go into business inappropriately. Wow. wow. For lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, you know, you know um, I think it's going to be fascinating then to see if these lessons that I've kind of, you know, extracted from Oprah and, and, and Enver, if, if those resonate yeah. through the experiences that you've had. Uh, with these folks who have been the most influential in your life. So let's let's get it going. Um, the first, and I, I'd, and I hate to even say this is in priority, but this is probably what I saw to be the most relevant uh, among these two. The first is that I saw how they invested in themselves. Yeah. And the idea here is that when you, the moment you stop investing in yourself is the moment that you've written off dividends for the rest of your life. And we're talking about really right now, we're talking about your career. We're talking about, you know, as, as a professional. Now, this is what I find to be interesting. You tell me if you see, if you saw this with your folks, there were five areas that I saw them invest the most in. All right. One of them was in life extending activities. Mm. What's a life extending activity? Well, I'm going to the gym. Yes. You know, Kwame's been at the gym. <laughs> he was actually late because he was at the gym. <laughs> but it could be it could be the gym. It could be diet. It could be whatever. But activities that will allow you to extend your time on earth. Yes. Right? Number two, 
time creating activities, systems. Like you know how, you know, you got a friend, actually this was me who, oh my God, where are my keys? Oh my God, where are my keys? Every, where are my keys? And you spend 15, 20 minutes, well, man, put together a system yeah. so you don't waste those 15 minutes every day. I saw how they spent time on how can they become more efficient, time creating activities. Number three, skill development and mastery. Number four, the people around them. They invested in the people around them. I mean, this is exactly yeah. what you were just talking yeah, about, yeah. Jay. And then last but not least, savoring life, creating moments. And that's something that I've really taken away, my wife and I, in trying to create moments. Did you see those the same with, 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 with those people who were very influential in your lives? Mm -hmm. Definitely? Definitely for me. Okay. Are there, oh, anywhere else that they invested that, that you think is, uh, is important? I, I would say um, there were other areas, but I just want to focus on one of your, t your five. Okay. The time investing in yourself. I was taught very early that you have to have a balanced life. Yes, in your youth, you can really go hard for your career and build your brand, and that's wonderful. But as you begin to grow, and even as your business begins to do well, you have to invest in you. Mm -hmm. You have to take those time to create those moments. If you're going from country to country and city to city and state to state, are you really taking in what's happening? Right. You're going to award show or whatever the case may be. You're just doing it almost out of routine and you're not really recognizing what is occurring in your life. You're, not, you're just accumulating things and even wealth. Mm -hmm. But I learned, invest in yourself. Like you said, the gym, the diet. I'm getting, I'm getting better quality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Every time we say gym, we're going to be looking at quality. Like, oh, my God. I haven't been. I don't <laughs> but nevertheless, yes, I, that, that is so huge for me. And I, I, the meeting that I had this morning yes. that I told you about, I was talking to the gentleman. I said, you must balance your life. It cannot be all brand, 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 brand. Um, so that's one thing that I push Okay, for everyone. All right. Yeah. I'm with it. But now let me ask you, because this is an investing. Do you believe in balancing or in prioritization? Because, and the reason why I bring that up is because a lot of folks will say, Paul, man, you're doing so many things, mm -hmm. right? How do you balance it all? And I say, actually, there's a lot of things I just don't do. Yeah. What I do is I just prioritize those things that are most important. I, I, wish, I wish my client could be here because I thank you for correcting me. Oh. Because what I said to him was the prioritization. There you go. I started yeah. out by saying you have to balance your life. And then I said you have to prioritize. There are a lot of things that I don't take. Right. There are a lot of opportunities that I don't accept at this point. Because I've now prioritized what is important and what's not as important. So the balance then goes into the prioritization. Okay. All right. I'm with it. Yeah, I, I do. I totally agree with investing in yourself. And I have seen it in those that I think I admire and are successful um, to the point where I've changed my own practices. Mm -hmm. So this year, I always thought I was going on vacation. I thought, oh, yeah, you're going. To, oh, me, too. I have vacation time. I'm going. And I never took a vacation, real mm -hmm. vacation until this year. And I realized what the difference was. My vacations before were taking time to either work on my business um, outside of other work that I had to do or going to someone's wedding, someone's some somewhere. If I left the area, it was a vacation. <laughs> yeah. And I for the first time I went somewhere and I did nothing. Mm -hmm. And what that allowed me to do is reflect. Yeah. Right. To take that time to reflect on where am I prioritizing? What am I doing? Why is it, it nothing doing nothing was for the first time so okay because mm -hmm. no one needed me and I wasn't there for it. I didn't have to. I was like, wow, 
So this is what people mean when they say vacation. And and then it was different. I was in another country. They they usually say holiday. Holiday. Yeah, I was like, I'm not never using this word vacation again yeah, because yeah. it means doing something yeah. and all these things. But holiday in these countries mean everybody's doing nothing. All the stores are closed. Yeah, yes, you can't right. do anything. Yeah. I'm on holiday. Yeah. And I think that is so important to this investing yourself. I've seen um, the, the, the um, entrepreneurs that I'm talking about really go for weeks at a time and it was vacation kids every we're, we're off don't call us don't right. don't do anything and come back recharged come yes. back with fresh perspectives ready to change new things yes. i just this is like the first time i'm realizing what that is even like and mm-hmm. i've been talking about it like we, we could have this conversation last year i'm like yeah vacation yeah. uh-huh i didn't understand it i didn't know what i was talking about wow this this will be interesting because of one of the another lesson that i yeah. saw uh, but but uh, actually, let, let me let me drop because we we could go we could do whatever we want, right? Yeah. <laughs> let me drop this. This is this is one of this is lesson uh, number. Where is this lesson number seven? All right. So now Nina is going to disagree. Now, <laughs> lesson number seven that I saw from them is take no days off completely. I recall going on vacation with Enver several times. Uh, to Turkey, we'd be yachting up and down the south uh, southwestern coast. Uh, it's also called the the Blue Voyage, Mavi uh, Mavi Voyage. Uh, but in between the swimming, in between the games of backgammon, there would be discussions of business, business uh, partners invited, etc. I saw the same thing with Oprah. Um, how do you feel about that? The take no days off completely because I'm torn you know I say do this but what I realize is that my business is me right it is actually my identity as well and I think when you when you're at that point you found something that you are so passionate about that a day off in your in your mind is not truly about just not thinking about that thing it's still there in my mind but I still you still need to unwind I think getting a little bit away from the daily, the daily is what sucks you in. Emails, Mm -hmm. everyone wants you. But that bigger picture, stepping aside from that and like meeting someone so new, I could sit there and like you could just go eat by yourself right? and just meet someone new and then you start talking about your business. That's not work. Mm -hmm. That is broadening your mind. That is a, a new, taking this journey that you've had and getting new perspectives you can meet brilliant, amazing people that you, it wasn't an agenda. I didn't go here to meet anybody, but it, this is so much a part of me and I, that I'm bringing it to you. You can look at somebody and know that they're an entrepreneur, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and the minute you start talking, they bring it to the table because mm-hmm. it's part of them. Yeah. That's what I think is valuable. And I don't necessarily think just shutting off your email or anything like that is going to derail your company. I actually think if you are a person that has things in place and in order to be able to do a holiday, nothing mm. should nothing should falter. Yeah. If you you're not able to keep talent or hire t- good talent, um, do all the things that a business needs, you can never take a holiday. You can right. never do that. Right. So yeah. She said so much. Can I just unpack one thing? Sure. I mean, I'm just I'm over here. Jump on it. Jump, jump on it. <laughs> so <clears throat> I disagree with take no days off totally. Okay. If I go back to Howard Dainberg. I said he taught me the basics. One of the things he said is that corporate heads take a vacation once per quarter. Yes. 
And what they do is this vacation, we use the word at the time, this vacation, I, and I love holiday, I use it as well, but this vacation is literally leaving your environment. If it is going to get a hotel in the city, if it's renting a car, it's leaving your environment and allowing your entire psyche to reset. Yeah. What you said about the gentleman that you were with, notice he invited the business partners to his yacht. Yes, this is true. Or to the backgammon game. So now I'm in a space of, I'm disconnected and I'm now choosing what she said. I am in a place where I can choose to bring you. And this is on now my, if you will, turf. And I am not bogged down with the day to day. I'm not in an office. So I'm reset. I'm relaxed. I may be in khakis. I may be in boat shoes. Right. And we're going to talk business. Right. So this is interesting. So, so, so you're breaking it down as if you remove yourself from your standard environment, from your typical environment, then at that point you have disconnected and that's the holiday. And some of my most effective meetings are dis when I'm disconnected. To your point, you meet amazing people, whether it's when you're on holiday, whether it's in passing, when you're not even attempting to make a connection. Always ABC, always be closing. However, you know, I'm just, hey, nice to meet you. Or, you know, where are you from? And then it turns into a whole partnership. Right, right. So I think that we're on the same page. Yeah. I mean, it's like you've removed yourself, you're like you're, but you're not completely off. I think if... I think it's impossible. Yeah. Like if, if, <laughs> yeah. like if this is your thing yeah. to like not f for things to not trigger that. So like yeah, like you said, like hey, how you doing? Oh, you from here? Oh, I just did a deal down there. Yeah. You're not going to miss a moment, know, right? Yeah. So you you're not completely off. And like to in I think in your article you talked about it in terms of like this is your baby. Yes. So um, so it's you're always going to just you know, make sure it's okay. Um, but, you know, we'll have your boundary so you can step away. So, yeah. I, I really like this notion of removing yourself from your environment. Uh, because as I think about it, I've always had a hard time with this one because uh, I can't disconnect permanently. But man, if I just remove myself from my environment, right, I'm in, I'm in a new space. Yeah. Uh, so I love it. I love it. Uh, all right. So now... Let's go on to the next one. Be curious about everything, right? What the average person sees as mundane or overly complicated, it's not viewed the same way with that billionaire mindset. And this was the moment that completely tripped me out. So I'm in the car with Mr. Ugel, and he, we're in Washington, D.C. And he points to the curbs. Now, right now, we're in Washington, D.C. Look at these curbs. Do you notice anything about these curbs? They're rough. Dragon. <laughs> DC, welcome to DC. I'm not from here. Y'all are those are rough. I, I think those look pretty good. Like, it looks nice too. Oh. Like, where are we comparing here, it? I mean, to I, noticed, right, I noticed them too when I moved here because I'm used to the rounded, uh, like smooth ones from the south. Like yeah. you don't see jagged ones like this. Jagged. Okay. <laughs> All right, I see what you're doing. Oh, Who invited you here, Carter? <laughs> but I, I do like. It. Wow. It's like they have a classic feel they to them. Cla like, All right, so yeah. this is what I find. All right, you said that you did notice that. Mm -hmm. I promise you, I've been here in D.C. for however long. I never looked at the curbs, never. <laughs> and he looked at the curb. He pointed, he said, do you see this? He said, look at how pronounced and high the curbs are. And he said, he can tell about how industrialized a nation is based on the curbs. Mm -hmm. 
And as you go to countries that are less industrialized, they are smaller and really? smaller and smaller to the point where, as you just said, they're non-existent. Yeah. Some have no curbs. And I thought, this is fat. So here we are for 30 minutes. We're here talking about cur curbs wow. for 30 minutes. Wow. This man is incredibly curious. Mm. I believe curiosity is, is a game changer for mindset. I mean, did you have you noticed the same thing? So this 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 point is always be curious about everything. Yeah, yeah. I struggled with that. I, I've struggled, notice that's said past tense. I struggled with it, especially when I began in business because I never wanted to seem ignorant. I didn't know who to ask those questions, even though I had the mentors that I mentioned. Something, well, I'm not gonna bother them. They own securities firms, they own this and that. They're, they are millionaires and they're established and I know they're doing this almost like a sympathy project. So I'm not gonna bother him with something that minute and then when we would connect, so did you ever think about so and so? I'm like, you kidding me? <laughs> you know, um, but I, I struggled with it um, for a number of reasons. Culturally, you right. know, right. Uh, you know, in school we sat to the back of the classroom. Yes, you know, um, so I, I struggled with it. But as I began to grow up and I got more confident in me, take business away, confident in Jared. And I belong at the table. You invited me here. I'm sitting here. So I'm going to ask the question. And hopefully it opens the can of worms and we can unpack it. But I did struggle with it. Okay. But I think it's important. Yeah. I mean, so in terms of developing it, though, yeah. um, how did you go about developing it? Because this, this is something that I think we all struggle with is, is that curiosity. And also, to your point of culturally... I remember growing up, like, don't ask any questions. Yes. Like, keep your mouth shut. Your mother told you when you go on the store, don't ask me for anything. <laughs> so it was embedded. It was innate. Right. Everyone, you know? <laughs> don't ask for nothing. <laughs> uh, um, how, how, the, the way I developed it is literally, I became, well, I went to counseling. I went to counseling. I had a life coach, and then I had an executive coach. Okay. And they all serve different purposes. My executive coach is the one, Damaris Price, shout out to her, um, who helped me with those things. And she dug into my life and said, this is where it started. What are you going to do? I have to move on from there. And now I have to be very intentional in doing what I'm fearful of. Okay. Okay. Any suggest or any, Kwame, Nina, did you ever struggle with curiosity? I mean, you, you two strike me as... As, as two people who are, who are extraordinarily curious, but did you ever struggle with that? I mean, I, I think I would going, you can go get down a rabbit hole with curiosity. Yeah. Um, I, I do, I think I struggle with it now too, because in a business, especially in a business where you don't have like a large staff, you have to be curious, yeah. I think, because you need to be able to maneuver different hats know a little bit about finance, know a little bit about, you know, market markets growing, not growing. I, I learn things. I have to learn new things every day. What is my investor pitch going to look like? Things that I did not go to school for. I was genuinely not interested in. Um, so that curiosity, you're, it's necessary to grow. Right. But. Uh oh, but you have to also understand your limitations because you're not going to be an expert right. that you need the advisors, the, the others to come in. Because you're not, your curiosity is not going to lead you to be the best at it. You're just going to know enough to be able to move forward. And I think that's what I struggle with because I want to know everything. Yes. And I want to know how, I, man, I go down to the point, I'm like, I think I'm going to take some classes and I'm going to get a <laughs> <Yeah>. degree. <laughs> and you become overwhelmed. Right. At right. what point do we stop? Right. So, so then you, I got to, I have to talk to other people to bring me back. And wh where I, I get that point is when I seek support. So you get to a point where you're like, okay, let me talk to somebody that knows. And when I realized that I could never get there in 
in this short course that I think that, you know, I can take it, but exactly. it was just only satisfy my curiosity. Exactly. This is this expert's experience. They've done this. And that's where that point, if, when I, if I don't get there, I will, I, I, I chart down a path where it's, I think it's not healthy for the business. Right. And I think we need to, you need to recognize that. So you're not investing time in ways that are not serving you as a person or your business and curiosity can take you there. Pardon the interruption. Just want to tell you about something that my wife and I have just launched and we are very, very excited about. It's called BWP Connect. Now, you may already know, but if you don't know about it, let me put you on, okay? It's a very safe place for those of us who value legacy, culture, and financial freedom through entrepreneurship to all come together and connect. If you are interested in more information about BWP Connect, simply go to paulcbrunson.com backslash B-W-P-C-O-N-N-E-C-T. That's paulcbrunson.com backslash B-W-P Connect. And now let's get back to the show. Yeah. Yeah. You said one of the items um, from uh, that top five list was investing in the people around you. Yes. Uh, Kwame and I, we were, and I mentioned it. I said, I have now developed a board of directors for my life. And that's exactly what Nina's saying. I began to look at the people around me or, you know, pull people around me that I now can seek counsel from. Yeah. yeah. The experts, because I'm never going to be that. So, uh, you, well, you know what? Um, just to segue that, uh, and Kwame, I'm going to go to you on this one, is the next one is actually just that. Surround yourself with better people, yeah. Okay. Right, uh, and I wrote. I hope this is why they kept me around. Yeah. <laughs> Although Oprah let me go after a year, so I don't know what that was about. <laughs> it propelled, uh, but <laughs> but uh, but but I said seriously. I never knew my bosses to have anyone less than stellar in their circle. And what I noticed, what they did, is that they identified areas that they were exceptional at. And they obviously, that meant there were a lot of areas that there were not, and they focused on those areas they were exceptional and filled in the gaps on those areas that they weren't. Kwame, you see the same thing? Yeah, that definitely resonates with me. Um, I mean, I'm constantly kind of assessing the people around me um, to like make sure like we're all um, ambitious and like seeking to better ourselves. And, and like for me personally, um, while I'm, I'm rabidly curious, but I, I need the people around me to be smarter than me, like in something, um, because that's the person I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. Cause I, myself, I'm going to read everything about it. And then my expectation is that, you know, more than what I've re spent hours reading. Absolutely. Um, so, and, and that, that is the point where I had the challenge to your question, like before, um, kind of, I mean, from. My godmother got me all these encyclopedias when I was a kid. I had all these National Geographics. Like I would spend days just reading stuff. Um, and I developed this ego where I was like, I can figure out everything on my own. Then I got to Davidson College, and they were like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know, it was like a brick hit me in my face. So I had to get over my ego. I had to develop humility to be able to ask the questions. Um, instead of trying to you know figure everything out for myself and there was like surrounding myself with better people yeah i think this is why you know personal development is so important with regard to you know business um and one thing that i'll never forget is when uh uh through usa today i got an opportunity to interview swiss beats kasim dean 
And he said something that, that really impacted me where he talked about how he said, I get inspired from anyone, from anyone. Right. And he was like, Paul, I get inspired by you. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a compliment? (laughs) Uh, But, uh, but his point really, at least how I read it is that he never has a large enough ego to not be able to humble himself yeah. to know that there's a lesson from everyone and anyone, you know, and I thought that was powerful. Yeah. And I saw Oprah and Enver do that as well. And I, th- I thought that was, that was, um, that was extraordinary. Uh, all right, let's keep it going. This is my favorite. This is my favorite. This is number five. Okay. Never eat alone. Oh, Never Eat Alone. No, that's the title of Keith Ferrazzi's book, Never Eat Alone. But I witnessed both Enver and Oprah do this. Now, Enver Ugel was the most, I would say, ambitious in this. So I would get a call. He would be in Istanbul. I'm here in Washington, D.C. And they say, Paul, I'm coming in tomorrow night. I want you to arrange a dinner. I want 12 people at least to be at the dinner. Who do you want at the dinner, Mr. Ugel? Oh, I like to have the mayor. Uh, I like to have the senator of so and so. I like to have uh, the head of the uh, Wizards basketball team. Like, I want all these people at this dinner. And then my job was to go out and try to put these folks together. And we would sit at this dinner, we would eat and talk. And I realized that what he was really doing was incredible. Most of us read the newspaper or magazines, but what is a newspaper and a magazine? It's what happened yesterday. He was sitting down with all of the newsmakers to find out what's going to happen tomorrow. And I saw Oprah do the same exact thing. I thought it was phenomenal. This is something now I've tried to replicate in my life. Have you seen this as well? I want to hold on this one. (laughs) Oh, because I'm thinking this is good. This is good. Yeah. So, I I mean, I've definitely seen this in a a few areas. So, like, um, I picked this up from my dad. Um, He is constantly cooking for people at at my parents' home. And he has nurtured relationships with, like, the most powerful people in Greensboro um, through, hey, come over for dinner. Um, And um, they may or may not be talking about the future, um, but they're developing this relationship to the point where, like, I don't think my parents make a ton of money, but they have access to everything. Have this massive house. I still don't understand. You know, the whole Ghanaian community is like looking to them for you know support and help. So, so I picked it up there. And then in my life, like the past year or so. I've been testing like a little like book salon where um, I have a, like a curated group of folks come over to my place for a meal. They've read this book. We talk about it. Um, and seeing the extent to which that has resonated with people in terms of like casting vision to the future has been pretty amazing. So do you, do you think it's something and in, in, in Nina, this will be interesting to get your, your take because of Don Diaspora. Um, do you think this is something that has, is it special because the relationship is being formed over food? 
the, the food is special. Is that yeah. what is that's that the, the secret ingredient? Yeah, yeah. That's what so it was. that that's <clears throat> the basis of where my company comes from, right? That food is a connector. And when we started, we started to watch people. So we started with these intimate dinners, about eighteen to twenty-four people at a time, all selected from different spheres of life to come together. And every time we had it, they would become friends. We had people travel together. People got married. People started businesses. But what we started to notice was that the food was the um, immediate connection point because it's everything. It's something everyone can connect with, right? So that you weren't coming there saying, I am this person or I am that person. You first talked about food. And one of the first questions we usually ask is, well, what's your favorite meal and when was the last time you ate it? And that puts everyone's guard down because everyone has you. You ate something you loved right. sometime, <laughs> so you can talk about it. So everyone has something to say. So if you're an introvert, you have something to say. If you're an extrovert, it didn't feel like we were all put somewhere and we had to form inauthentic connections. And authentic connections happen when people are able to be to let their guards down and not be forced to prove themselves at a table when food is there and intentional conversation is created around food i think those barriers can be stripped away okay and that's where we that's what we started to learn that's that's like foundations of building relationships why does food matter we can strip away everything and just and i always say and if you don't like somebody just talk about the food <laughs> yeah and if the food is really good you lose all of your pretense because you have to get in the food right. yeah there you go there you go that, that reminds me i remember uh, i hosted a thanksgiving uh, and it was great. The food was phenomenal, right? Everything was good. The person I sat across from voted for Donald Trump. Oh. I was like, the moment that she said that, everything <laughs> tastes terrible. Everything, <laughs> everything was terrible. How did you get on the guest <laughs> list? They love some mac and cheese. Was she a plus one or was she in an invite? She was a plus one. Oh, okay, well then, yeah. So now, who brought her? Did I come back? <laughs> he should have fed oh, his guests, right? Uh, yep. Uh, but, See, I but, can't even treat my coffee no more. <laughs> <laughs> it just ruins everything. Is, it just ruins. Oh, but, but so my question, I just want to stay with this for a second because... Uh, what what can someone do who's listening who says, all right, I understand. I see it now. Food is a connector. How can they now leverage that for their advantage? What can they do? I mean, it, do they have to create their own book salon or is there something else that they could do? I actually, I recommended this to my niece. Um, she's first year college and she wants to develop friends and, you know, some authentic friendships and et cetera, et cetera. And she's been relatively introverted growing up, uh, but she loves to cook. She found out there were some other, you know, persons on the campus that love to cook. I said, why don't you all go and find a cooking class? Ah, uh, okay. It so was like a light bulb. So yeah. she, you know, put a flyer up, six girls, her, you know, she was five. They go to a cooking class. They're like best friends now. This is their second year actually now. Um, so I would say a cooking class, yeah. cooking together, I like you know, it. especially in a relationship. It's, it's such an easy date night, but amongst friends, how yes. awesome is that? We love the food, the finished product. Let's do it together. Someone's a Sue, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, much fun. Yeah. Another, I love it. Another thing I picked up from when I was lobbying in Atlanta, um, my boss would bring like a little snack to a legislator and so and it was amazing to watch. Like he'll bring them an apple <laughs> or like a Snickers bar, and they're like, "Oh, thank you." So like I do that, <laughs> I do that at work now. Like um, in the evenings, I'll bring folks a chocolate chip cookie or something, and like the 
how it goes incredibly far. Really? <laughs> in All terms right. of strengthening your relationship. That's done. What, what works better, the apple or the cookie? The apple's probably healthier. Longer. <laughs> <laughs> but the chocolate chip cookies yeah. bring a All big right. smile. Well, on, on the next podcast, I'm bringing red stripes for everybody. Oh, <laughs> my, my. Sounds good. All right. So number six was take responsibility for your losses. Right. And I and the whole point here is, I think, just to be courageous enough to say. This this L is on me, this loss is me. When I was working for Oprah, it was actually, I would probably say the worst time of her career, because this is when no one could even find the Oprah Winfrey Network on, on cable. They were like, oh, you're on own. Uh, what channel is that? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? No, nobody have a special subscription. for. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. It got to the point where where people were telling me. They were saying, oh, man, working for Oprah is not a good look. Th that was a thing at a certain point, right? And she, I remember, she marched right on national television She uh, on Gail's show with CBS. And she said, look, the ratings are terrible, and it's my fault. And I'm going to do something about it. Opposed to pointing blame, hiding, et cetera. So taking responsibility for your losses. I'm sure everyone that you, you all have mentioned does the same. Absolutely. I'm sure. Absolutely. And I was taught the concept of servant leadership. So yes, I am the head, I'm leading, but I'm here to serve my staff and our clients. And if the staff makes a mistake, the client is coming to me because Jay, we have signed with you, not the intern. Right. So I have to take the responsibility. Now what happens after the client leaves? <laughs> um, we have a new intern. Now. <laughs> um, nevertheless, but absolutely. I learned that and I'm still learning it, you know, to the, the transparency, being honest, taking the L. Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. And I think it's, it's hard to do. Um, but I think there's a huge cost when you don't take responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And what I've seen in my experience is that when responsibility is not taken as an entrepreneur, as a leader, um, you end up blaming everyone else, right? And what that means is that nothing's wrong here. We're right. amazing. We're perfect, actually. <laughs> it's everyone else's fault that this did not go well. What that means is that you don't reflect on yourself and grow. So you don't know, you, you, you just don't acknowledge where there are faults. And if it's everyone else, then they need to change. And we don't have anything to do with that. They can go on. I think you lose customers like that. You use relationships like that. You become a business that's only looking so insular as being the best or better than others. And what I've seen this so many times, competitors come and take you down. Because now you're you're amazing, you're the best, mm -hmm. but you're not looking outwards and taking that feedback. That's feedback. Mm -hmm. You messed up somewhere. Absolutely. And yeah, so I think the cost of that is so heavy yeah. and learning how to do that, it's hard. Um, to say that we didn't do well, we, we were, we're not as amazing as we thought, I think takes personal um, growth. Yeah, it's right. not about just businesses here. It's really about you as a person being um, self-aware. Absolutely. Yeah. To your point about pointing the finger at everyone else, um, my dad uh, in his sermons, he, he'll often have this quip where he's like, you're always pointing the finger at other people, but you've got at least three other fingers pointing back <laughs> at you. Right. Um, and just to that point of like, you think you're put every, the issues with everyone else, but you know, but, but, you know, is this a, is, is this a trait that's popular among the most successful people in business 
or are we just talking about two outliers here with Enver, uh, Oprah, or the outliers of of the of your business mentors? Because it's interesting when I think about you know the most uh, you know the, the the biggest brand entrepreneurs of the world, people like Steve Jobs, right, or uh, Elon Musk. These are not people who you would put in the same category as being humble, right? <laughs> you know, they would be pointing the finger at everybody else <laughs> but them. But you know, I think that. The Elon Musk, the uh, Steve Jobs, biz, their type of business is so different now. When you think about if we use Oprah, yes, starting in the late seventies, early eighties, yeah, or you know, becoming Oprah Winfrey, the network, and all that, it was the grind. You really had to prove yourself. You she worked. You know, now I come up with an innovative idea. I start an app, and I am <laughs> WhatsApp, and I'm yeah. a multi-billionaire, yeah. and I'm 24, yeah. and I sell Facebook. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think that the humility unfortunately has to be there because society and the millennials, they love the arrogance and the pomp and the circumstances all about ball. And it's all about what you look like and how flashy can this one be over here? We talked about it, you know, as far as the city where I reside, you know? Um, so I, I struggle. I don't know. I don't know if it's necessary even. I mean, it, I think it's important, but, 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 it, but it may not be not necessary. It's not a mandate anymore. Wow. Yeah. Necessary. I, I think, well, yeah. oh, go ahead, go ahead. I think as a, as a business leader, um, impact beyond just success of the business is important to me. And I think that your val your values as a person matter just as much as what the business values yes. are. So if you want to be, you know, that CEO that's mean, that drives results, you're actually losing something as a result of that. And it might not be business success that's a loss. It might be staff satisfaction. Mm -hmm. We know those companies that you mentioned, there's not high satis staff satisfaction. Mm -hmm. People are driven to do things outside of the, the their abilities or um, what what is really truly healthy. So there's always a cost, but if if numbers are the only thing that matter to you, or you know being just number one, whatever that value is, that you can go that route too. There's different models, and for me, relationships, people also matter, and that's high on mind, just as much as being number one for business success as far as driving revenue, who who's doing what, how we're doing it, that impact also matters. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, guys, I'm going to do speed round only because my wife has not yet sent me a text, but I know it's coming. It's coming. It's being typed as we speak. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, I see. Her. Okay, so uh, the next one, number seven is understand the power of leverage. This is something that was quite a bit of a shock to me. From afar, billionaires appear to be someone who masters everything, but in truth, they're specialists in one or a few areas and they're average or subpar at everything else, right? So the key is leverage. And that was a word, I didn't even understand what leverage was, right? But now I realize, oh my God, everything, I believe everything they do is about leverage. And I was trying to come up with what I consider to be the easiest way to uh, understand that word leverage. I said it's to use something to its maximum advantage, something or someone to its maximum advantage, right? Leverage is the key. Any like any disagreements on that? Because it feels like the game is about leverage, totally. Even if you are just the you know I'm creating this app overnight, everything it's about leverage. Fair. Yeah. Everyone's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. So then we keep it going to the next, uh, which is actually number nine, so we're almost there, is 
focus on experiences versus material possessions. And for me, what was interesting is, one is, I mean, let's keep it real. These folks have big toys, great big toys, <laughs> great, 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 right, right, great right. big toys. But at the same time, it's about the experience. So it's about, hey, we're going to put together a dinner at my great, great big mansion, right? right? But it's the experience of the dinner that's most important. You know, with Oprah, something behind the scenes that I don't know if people realize that she, that she does is that she has her school in Africa. And what she does is she brings those girls with her everywhere. We were on a road show where we were selling advertising to the show. So different cities, Chicago, Atlanta, uh, New York, and we would have to wine and dine these executives. And what blew my mind is that always at a table behind us, not too far, were six of those little girls, 10 of those little girls that she had there to be a part of this experience. And what she would walk away saying is that, yeah, this, this work that we're doing is important, but the experience that I'm able to share with these young girls, yeah, that's life-changing. So it's about the focus on the experiences, not the actual material. Yeah. Um, and, and what she, just like you said, the experience, what I am, without saying a word, and putting into them is something you can't pay for. Right. Experiential knowledge is worth more than any book we can read, any school we can go to, the best school. Until you get that experience, you just have a beautiful piece of paper on the wall. Right. Um, so I, I agree. And I mean, I, I was saying the same thing as far as, you know, just going, 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 stop and have the experience. When I travel now, I don't go to a country just to say I went to the Great Wall. I want to know about your culture. Yes. Because if I want to be, if I want to have global impact, I want to make sure that I am doing things properly and not disrespecting your culture. Yes. I won't know that if I stay in Atlanta and just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I have to that's go. That's how you do. What do you do in Atlanta? Doing <laughs> <laughs> I forgot where I was yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you, yes, the experience is so yeah. important. Absolutely. I, th I think another thing that comes to mind is like the relationship between experiences and um, time. So, um, so like thinking about like time as that kind of currency, as opposed to, you know, getting the money to be able to buy certain things, being able to like kind of buy your time to be able to have those experiences. Um, at least for me, that's, that's kind of my, where I'm trying to go directionally to like buy as much of my time back as possible yes. to be able to take my daughter to Ghana as often as I want and those sort of things. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you just hit a really uh, special place for me because that's, that is, that's life for me right now is it is, it's about being able to have that time and share that time with the people that I love the most. Right. Which I'm not trying to be sappy, but that includes all, all y'all. Right. I mean, we're, we're recording this on a Saturday in the yeah. middle of the day. Right. All of us, we all could be doing something else. Right. This is what I love doing. Right. Chopping it up, talking, having conversations with people that I adore. You know, so I agree that that is that is life like that's living. Yeah, that's living. Um, all right. So we've got the last one on the list. And this is very simply don't go it or don't go. What I say? No, <laughs> don't go. Uh, no, don't go at it alone. Nothing great in life is achieved ever 
uh, especially in business, success is not a solo act. Everybody yelling, I'm self-made, is not Mm self-made, you know? Um, And then here, what I saw was interesting is that my man William over here, he named something that I call, he he calls it the classics, right? Where I say you should be always around aspiration, inspiration, and instruction. Right. Those are those are the three that I'm always talking about. So thanks to William, I'm gonna call those the classics. So. <laughs> um, Enver, Oprah, they surround themselves with people that fit those same three: aspiration, inspiration, and instruction. I find it to be fascinating. Th- this whole this whole idea of you can't do this thing alone. You can't do life alone. You know, uh, it's interesting. You talked about Nina. You talked about it was a couple. Right. You know, Kwame, you're talking about you're going to the wedding. So I'm assuming there's a there's a family there. Right. That's that's in there. You know, you, we can't do this thing alone. And clearly they're not doing it alone. And just for the record. Right. I think a lot of people say, well, Oprah is entirely self-made. She runs solo. No, she's not. You got to give that credit to Gail. You got to give that credit to people like Eric Logan, who's the president of Oprah Winfrey Network. Stedman. Who can I tell you something about Stedman? Wow. Yes, please. Can I say this about Stedman? <laughs> wow. Like, oh yeah. Share. Can, can I say this about Stedman? Stedman is the MVP mm. because I I specifically remember going on that road show, and she you would see Oprah at dinner, you know, laughing, having conversation, conducting business, and I was staying in the same hotel. Which, by the way, she would like stay in like a in a Sheraton or a Marriott. I was like, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, the Sheraton <laughs> But I would say, like, why are you here, right? And inevitably, you'd see, you know, be in the lobby, and Stedman would be walking through, going up to that room, right? Stedman was always there in the background, right? Um, so I, I call him the MVP, but. Would you say that would you, would you, would you all say that this is something that you've seen testament can't can't do it alone? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, I think this is a one, a goal area for me um, because uh, I mean I, I have people who are, I surround myself with who I'll like go to for like um, kind of finite things. Like I have this question, I have, but I want to get to the level of like like Jay Z and his crew, like. They are constantly together. Yeah. Like I want to get, I I love my alone time, but <laughs> like, I would love to get to the point where I have my team of people where we have the shared vision, and we're like every day moving towards this. Um, so I would say this highly resonates with me, and and I have a story for it. So the reason why I'm here. Um, one, I believe like my whole thing is like curate the network that will grow you, right? Um, and the, you're the designer of that network, right? You have full power to either create, bring everyone you think will take you somewhere and be open to meeting anyone that will come. I think a lot of times people are closed after you create it and it's like, I got them, these are my crew. Mm-hmm. No, you gotta mm-hmm. be open. But the reason why I'm at this table is because of Kwame and who knows mommy who got in touch with you, who then, and then here I am, right? So just being that opportunities arise from one being open, one being able to share genuinely and connect with other people and knowing that and not being too protective of the idea that I am the only one that can 
make my my this thing or whatever I'm doing better. Yeah. That yeah. there are other yes. people that I can open up to, trust and be vulnerable. Yes. And allow it to not work. Yeah. Yes. And I had to we we as a I, I'm yeah, in a good. partnership. Yeah. That was um, good. <laughs> 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 that was a vodka My Dine Diaspora is a partnership. Three women. We call it three women, one idea. Right. And every time anything starts to break in within us, I go. I repeat that to myself. Three women, one idea. Is because we are not on the same page. That one idea is probably not firm. But it's okay because we have different things we bring to the table to get back on that page. And so to me, that is something that I've learned so much about, bringing new people. Why is it so key? Because we're going to all work together towards a common goal. And if something does not work, it is okay. And yes. that okay part is probably the hardest to, to deal with. Love it. I love it. I, I, I tell you what, I, uh, I think we could sit here for hours and hours and hours. And there is another 10 on this list. So maybe we should come back and chop <laughs> the, the, the other 10. Yeah. But before we get out of here, final thoughts. What would you say is one thing that you learned from your business mentor that we have not yet discussed? Just one thing, one lesson. Um, there's a saying that I was given. There is pain and change and there's pain in staying the same. Pick the pain that moves you forward. Wow. And I live by that in everything that I do. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be, you're going to be fearful, but you're moving forward. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to be the same person in 2020. So I have to just pick the pain because it's temporary. Yes. Love it. I love it. Um, for me, it's give back. Um, I, I met these entrepreneurs because they were giving back, right? Sitting with me, helping me develop, or just even meeting me, have, giving me the opportunity to intern, is because they said some young person out there needs an opportunity like this, needs to be connected to us. So, if you're building yourself, reach out to those that should have the opportunity to replace you one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I would say mine kind of relates to yours. Is kind of like pursuing the uncomfortable. Um, so. Uh, Robert, my mentor, um, early on talked to me about like what played a key role in him being in the role he is now um, was like taking the hard jobs internationally. So like being a black man going to Japan mm -hmm. to build yes. a business, going to Latin America, yes, um, and taking his family with him and figuring it out. Um, you know, one, he built, you know, an opportunity to like turn around a business or whatever. Um, and that just kind of put him in position to be in the C-suite. So, yeah, I love um, that. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love it. Uh, you know, a matter of fact, you saying that I think is, is my closeout is that, um, when I worked, I worked at Kaplan test prep here in Washington, DC. Uh, no shade to Kaplan, but I felt like, you know, it was one of those jobs where I could have been there for 30 years and, you know, got a pat on my back and that was it. Uh, and a gentleman walked in to my center one day and asked me if I wanted to go to Turkey. And I honestly didn't know where Turkey was on the map. I didn't know. So, <laughs> Seljuk is he's behind us. He, he's from Turkey and he's like, all right, it's fine. Um, I had never had Turkish food. I'd never met anyone from Turkey. And I had an opportunity at that moment 
to just shut it all down and say, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm comfortable, right? I'm going to pick this pain of being, being stagnant. But instead I say, you know what? Let me, let's see. Let's see what you got. Let's see what Turkey's all about. <laughs> let's see what you Turks are all about, <laughs> right? That decision changed my life, putting myself in a place of being incredibly uncomfortable, literally changed my life. But I'm going to even take it a step further. Not only did it change my life, it changed the life of my children. And I believe it's going to change the life of my children's children. Yeah. So there you go. Testament to what oh. you just said, Kwame. Awesome. That's it. So guys, thank you awesome. very yeah. much. Thank you. This has been no, no thank opportunity. you. This has been good. Great. This is this has been good. We're gonna have to have I'm gonna call you guys the VIP roundtable. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> the VIP roundtable. Like For everybody listening, thank you very much. Remember, Better with Paul is a series where we're trying to help you to become better in life, in love. And these lessons that we're sharing are all uh, a tribute to the lessons that we've learned, you know, throughout our lives. So continue to listen. Be sure to join the Better With Paul community and be sure to check out our Better With Paul event series that Nina here at the table is helping to organize. So that's it. God bless. We've sadly reached the end of our show, folks. That is it for today. But next week, we have another incredible guest whose story is going to blow your mind. So thank you for listening and I'll catch you next week.